0: And welcome to yet another rousing round of the dice are screaming. Oh, oh, oh! Well, that's more like it. That's right. Those dice are screaming because they know what's coming. <laughs> uh, we got one lined up for you tonight, folks. So yeah,
1: yeah. Not to not to uh, uh, open the curtain too early. Just gonna say it's not
0: good. It's, it's not, not good.
1: It's not good at all. It's, it's terrible. Oh, it's, it's just foul and wrong. But we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later.
0: Yeah, like kind of we are. Oh, yeah. Ah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to the Dice of Screaming. I'm Randy. I'm Mike. And together we are the Dicemen of the Dice of Screaming Podcast and coming at you. So it's Tuesday and uh, we live in a post-Game of Thrones world now. Boy, that uh, has been cranking up the internet a couple so. notches, hasn't it? So, yeah,
1: that just happened. That was a
0: thing. That was pretty big. So, you know, no spoilers, but... uh, No, no, yeah, we we don't do major spoilers
1: here. It's not our style. It's not a kind of thing we support. Uh, Spoiler-free zone, just going to say. Although it it boggles the mind, I mean, it, it stuns the imagination that there might be some people who have knocked caught up on this yet, but uh, it's a very good show.
0: Adjust the darkness setting on your TV, that's all I'm going to (laughs) say. And
1: uh, for my own part, uh, I held out as long as possible. I went five seasons without watching a single one. Uh, Right about the time season six hit, I had a close friend who wanted to do a marathon watch, and I was like, hey, you know, whatever man, I'm in. Uh, Yeah. And next thing I knew, I was like, Oh my gosh, it's like popcorn, I, just salty, buttery, goodness, ah, more, more, <laughs> <laughs> give me all the episodes.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's been pretty good, and uh, it's winding down, but uh, boy, what a mid-note ended on, but anyway. It is slightly less addictive than crack cocaine. Slightly. All right, well, uh, we have some call-ins. Call-ins, call-ins. Oh, yeah, call-ins first. Yeah, call-ins first from Frossoff. He has some words of wisdom and some questions for us, so we'll answer those. Questions from the psionic platypi. Yes. It's platypi, right? Singular? Wouldn't platypus?
1: No, no, I would be speaking in plural if I said platypi. Oh, okay. Plural platypi.
0: So the platypus will speak. Frossoff, take it.
2: Gentlemen, I hope I don't annoy you with all my call-ins, but I really enjoy y'all's podcast, and I'm still listening to this one, but before I forgot, oh, y'all made me really excited talking about doing an Enemy Within uh, podcast. That's on my bucket list. Uh, probably it will be the next thing I, I run. Um, uh, the original Warhammer Fantasy role-playing book was one of the first things I ever bought with my own money, and... All those books have been so expensive, but now that they've uh, released the first edition PDFs, I've uh, printed them up myself, so, and there's a lot of great online support for that too, but I'd love to hear y'all go in depth on that one, Um, that would be really awesome to listen to and helpful down the line for me, so, got real excited about the prospects of that, anyway, see y'all. Sorry for the two-parter, but, uh, I had another comment on the poisons, uh, kind of, kind of a question too, because I have a first edition assassin in my game and, uh, he's obviously always looking for new poisons to hurt people with. And so it's always a balance of trying to think of, uh, alternate effects just to death and finding different herbs and finding plants and how long to synthesize and how much money it costs. So I was interested in what dragon, um, issues y'all are referring to specifically, if you know, um, because I'd be interested in trying to track down those articles. And uh, one way that I've found to kind of balance it or keep it from getting out of hand is by just having the potency only last for a couple of weeks or, you know, after a couple of weeks, the stuff won't work. So that it kind of urges him to just go ahead and use them rather than stockpile it into an arsenal. <laughs> so see you later.
0: All right, thanks for that, uh, broth, and yeah, no problem, man, call in as often as you like, two-parters, three-parters, whatever you need, man. Uh, so we'll cover it in topics, first on the Warhammer Enemy Within, yeah, we'll definitely be doing that, uh, here, probably within the next, mm, five episodes, yeah, just gonna spitball that, we'll do an Enemy Within, and then we're gonna do a Merp One, uh, pretty quick too, we're gonna talk about that, uh. Earth role playing in the various incarnations they're in, but uh, yeah, Enemy Within is probably the greatest singular campaign. I mean, Masks of Narnilartho'tep are kind of uh, better, but it's Call of Cthulhu, so it's not really the heroic fantasy. And you know, not to poo-poo it, I'm just gonna say that. Oh
1: no, no, we're we're not uh, we're not poo-pooing it. It just. it, it's slightly different genres. That is the solitary difference.
0: Shooting uh, a star-spawned Cthulhu with a uh, pack howitzer is one of the highlights of that game. So, <laughs> ask me sometime about that. I've got Honor. a
1: flamethrower in each hand.
0: Yep, well, that was pretty much how we went into it. No chances taken, and no. <laughs> Before, well, we'll just say no flips given, we'll leave it at that. All right, yeah, but uh, definitely uh, we will be covering Warhammer. It's one of our favorite games, and, uh, you know, uh, Enemy Within's coming out again, so uh, with the yeah, director's we, cut, man, that's... we,
1: we got to do a dedication to that. You yeah. know, that it, it's just so timely. Plus, just lots of amazing things on the plate lately with the Saltmarsh module.
0: Uh, yeah, there's just, man, there's just so much stuff to talk it's, about that we're just... Yeah,
1: we're drowning in topics. We're drowning in topics uh, with, without uh, you know, dry land
0: anywhere in sight. But uh, to, to answer your second part of your question, you know, of Taking the Sting Out of Poison, that was from January 1984 from Dragon Magazine 81. That's the best one, but there are several others. But uh, Taking the Sting Out of Poison by Chris Lancy. Now, um, uh, what was it, Charles Sigui? Uh, yeah. Did the first article... Yeah, back in, uh, is Charged Segui's, um, that was reprinted in, uh... Best of Dr- Dragon. Best of Dragon number two, but it was from December ni- uh, 97 and, uh... uh
1: 1979. December 97, of... 97,
0: 19- yeah. 1979, And then, uh, also, uh, Larry D'Tilio. you Remember him? Yeah, he just passed away here. Uh, oh, no. Yeah, uh, wrote a lot of stuff for, uh... Marvel and uh, cartoons and movies. So yeah, I this also guy... So
1: did a poison article for Yeah,
0: Poisons, the Toxins of Cerulean. And uh, that one, you can find that in uh, Dragon of March 82. But uh, definitely speaking, the most authoritative one is uh, Chris Lancey's uh, January 1984. Taking he, the Sting Out of Poison. And he covers the four types, contact, insinuative, ingested, and gases, with various types and uh, storing them. So that's just right up your alley. That, oh. And
1: an entire section on antidotes and their relative effectiveness against other poisons. And, bonus, a section on monster venoms and the opportunity to recover them.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Oh, man. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's just a, it's a cornucopia.
0: Right? Yeah, it is the best one, and we have a photocopy of it just... So that we don't have to lug around uh, hundred issues of Dragon or uh, look yeah. up on PDFs.
1: Any issue of Dragon that you lug around in a DM satchel uh, every week will get destroyed. So uh, the photocopy was the best way to go to make sure we had a, you know, transit uh, copy for authoritative poison usage. Yeah. But, hey, I mean, what can you expect less than that from the double strength Shirley Temple cocktail of oh. gaming podcasts?
0: I'll have a Shirley Temple. Make it a double.
1: Yeah. Oh. (laughs) It's like a pig squirrel. (laughs) Or a blue motorcycle.
0: Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, I hope that helps you out, uh, Frost. And uh, so uh, with that, we're going to get a little bit of the teaser topic, and then we'll go to a break and be back with the main part. But tonight, uh, in the vein... Oh our, yeah, right in the vein. <laughs> no fun intended. Uh, no, uh, well, no, don't worry. I'm not going all train spotting on you. That'd oh great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in the vein of what we're talking about, uh, we're going to talk about evil campaigns. Yes, this is the the
1: evil foulness of which we spoke earlier. Uh, there is an art to it. It it is fun and rewarding. A lot of DMs do not uh, have any truck with an evil campaign. Uh, it's an image issue. It's also a player control issue. There, there are problems that come with running an, e- an evil campaign. We're gonna kind of parse our way through some of those, and tr- hopefully, kind of thread the needle and show that
0: it can be done, and it can be done well, and it can be just amazing. Right. So, uh, stick with us after the break, and we'll be right back after these messages for our sponsor. Okay, and we're back after the break. Thanks for putting up with us. And so we're going to turn to the topic. But just again, thanks to Anchor and all their fine work on making this an easy-to-use app. So make sure you check it out. Oh, heck yes. For those of you who are just podcast listeners,
1: I, you know, give some thought to picking a favorite topic of your own. And, you know, go ahead, crack
0: open Anchor FM, make use of it. It is astonishingly easy. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of astonishingly easy, it's gonna be astonishingly easy for us to not fail at being evil tonight. Ha ha ha, ha. <laughs> oh,
1: man, the the perils of evil campaigns. Let's just let's start off on the, the sour note, okay? Yeah, okay. Let's let's start off on the sour note, which is evil campaigns have a lousy reputation from back in the day, because every single gamer worth their salt, at some point or another we've we've gamed at a table with somebody who munchkins or power games and wanted to play an evil character in a campaign that wasn't dominated by evil. And this puts the DM in a super awkward position with one person who's a total loose cannon, uh, no party cohesion, uh, aggro moments between players, uh, threats, mayhem, and, you know, that's... (laughs) With and without the dice, you know, both in-game and uh, meta-game, you get these conflicts. So, yeah, there's perfectly legitimate reasons to be wary of evil campaigns. I'm not going to take that away.
0: Yeah, and specifically, um, and just a segue off that, what Mike said is pretty much the core uh, attribute is that it's power gaming. And the most power-gamed character out there was the anti-Paladin which, you know, call it Blackguard or uh, a Dire Avenger or whatever you want to call it, it's still the same thing. It is uh, a trope, and it stuck with D&D, much like the Assassins through the various incarnations and editions. But it kind of em- let people embrace that dark moment where they were more powerful than just about anybody else and had very few rules. And so this tended to sour people because if treasure didn't come out their way or something wasn't to their liking, they could always pull out, well, I'm just playing my alignment. And while yeah. evil campaigns are rooted in D&D alignment system, and we've talked about this before where we play alignment as fluid rather than uh, structured, like you can't do that because that's against your alignment. No, you're going to pull out of your alignment. You're going to change just like people change all the time. Yeah, which,
1: again, is a classic DM lesson learned. You know, something we picked up a long time ago was uh, don't metagame the players. Don't Bigfoot them constantly. Just, you know, actions, consequences. No more, no less. Uh, Not out of hostility to them, but, you know, if if you're... Oh, my fighter's neutral, so I'm not good. means I can burn that orphanage down for 200 gold. Uh, Dude, that is extremely evil. You heard what I said. (laughs) Okay, Mr. Neutral Evil. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean, Neutral Evil?
0: <laughs> you heard what I said. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and that's how you play it. Uh-oh. So, you get people together, and you want to play a game, and you want to have fun. And the last thing you want to have is some creepazoid coming out and backstabbing everybody, poisoning them in their wineskin, and slitting their throats in the middle of the night, and justifying it by, well, I'm evil. Okay, well, that's pretty fair. And the dark side of D&D is potentially that the other aspects that kind of make people cringe at the table topics, and we're just going to say this with a little trigger warning, that uh, rape, torture, and just outright uh, murder and blasphemy are, yes, hallmarks of evil characters, but that is not the be-all and end-all of an evil campaign. Yeah, it's, uh,
1: well, there's not there's nary a virgin left in town and all the temples are burnt to the ground. And when I'm finished dunking the mayor in the cesspool, he'll finally give up the keys to his treasure chest. Yeah, just, it gets egregious. And it really is beholden to the DM to engineer ways to keep players on track in an evil campaign, unlike a good campaign. It doesn't necessarily mean the gloves are completely off, uh, but you've got to thread the needle very carefully. There are ways to lower the extreme nature of people's actions by getting their focus on task. Like, you know, you're not going to achieve vast wealth and power by being a complete loose cannon that nobody can count on. Uh, If you're a person who is reckoned with, who is thought of as capable of getting things done, well... Now the door is open to the accumulation of power and reputation. That's the, the kind of nice opening lead you, you hand them. The, the
0: promise of greater wealth and power to come. And also the anti-hero. Even though they are evil, they don't have to be to the, those egregious extremes that we talked about before. But they can also be very ruthless, but efficient. True. And that makes a respectable sort of anti-hero that you can kind of make out of an evil party. Now, yeah, a lawful evil person can be uh, fanatically patriotic,
1: uh, you know, to the point where I have no qualms with burning the orcs from their lairs for the safety of my nation, you know. Uh, The fact that they kind of enjoy that pork smell and, you know, uh, all of that is less important than the fact that they're getting the job done. Uh <laughs> you know, sort of a a Field Marshal of France moment, you know, kill them all. God will know his own.
0: Or how I treat bald-faced hornets. If they're next to my house, I burn them down. If they're in the middle of the woods where I don't walk, I leave them alone. Yeah. You know, and that's more of a kind of, I guess, a self-interested neutral point of view, but you can also take it from the hornet's point of view when I'm setting them on fire in the middle of the night.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean, as far as they're concerned, you're the chaotic evil one. Yeah, Uh, well. But hornets are jerks.
0: Yes, they are. And my dog can't go outside. Yeah, so that that doesn't work. Sometimes shared space is not necessarily a win-win situation. But in that that vein, also another thing was, is you have to know your audience and your place. Um, We had... um, an evil campaign run here in a public venue, but we made sure that we were well off to the side and uh, so people weren't going about like uh, passing us in uh, just their business and hearing us talk about all the evil deeds we were going to be doing. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Don't burn down the orphanage. We need this place. Oh, I want to totally burn it down. <laughs> no,
1: they're free range.
0: Do you know what they'll be worth later? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Free-range orphans. I know. It's like Soylent Green Plus. <laughs> so, yeah, you might, if you're in a public venue, you need to have a certain space. And when I was
1: in the King's African Rifles, the local then BC tribe used to call it Long
0: Pork. Yeah,
1: Never much cared for it myself.
0: <laughs> and, uh, you know, you need to have those kind of conversations in your table without everybody just, you know, like, oh, what's this role playing about? Oh, my God. And, you know, they run off, and the next thing you know, you have to explain yourself to police. You know? um. Yeah,
1: you want a dedicated team of players that you trust to conduct themselves with each other in a reasonable fashion. Uh, now, letting the gloves off a little bit, they get to be evil. Uh, they get to backstab and scheme and plot. But they've also got to match it to accomplishing goals, avoiding scrutiny of law. Uh, you know, and their opponents have to be tailored to be opponents that challenge them both uh, in competing evil agendas and law, which is law and good, which are looking to stamp them out entirely. Right. So, you know, it can be incredibly challenging uh, putting them at a significant disadvantage that they may not have expected, and that can be exciting for players. But, yeah, once again, you, you really nailed the point that table conduct, uh, inappropriate chatter, uh, exceptionally graphic topics, these are risks that you gotta navigate and plan for in advance, you know, get people to understand going in that, uh, you know, all right, uh, you know, we gotta be a bunch of people upstairs in the game shop above us who are buying comic books for their eight-year-olds, uh, and the last thing we want shouted up through the vents is... All right, I got a sword in each hand and I'm mowing through the orphans like wheat.
0: Burn all the babies. Ah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, uh, that, that may
1: not draw as much uh, admiration for gamers as we might like. So. Right. So, yeah, you have to conduct <laughs> it. But
0: again, Mike hitting it right on the head. You got to know your uh, party and set the expectations ahead of time. If people are uh, uncomfortable with certain topics, steer away from them. You don't have to play them out uh yes, uh graphic depictions of torture are needless uh it can be handled kind of in a abstract fashion, and I don't think there's anything uh lost in that um but yeah, you
1: can simply play it off as like an intimidation check uh with the bonus to the roll because the intimidation is brutal yeah uh, and then here like fast forward uh ten minutes later,
0: <laughs> they're whimpering and begging you to stop and yeah
1: the the ranger. <laughs> The evil ranger, and that's like more of a third edition uh, era thing where, you know, various classes can have different alignments. Uh, You know, ten minutes later, the evil warrior comes out of the room and says, It's done. He told me everything. Are
0: you sure? He told me things I didn't even ask. Oh, the TMI version. (laughs) Yeah. Too much information, dude. All right, but... Now, you set up your, with those expectations uh, set, and also understanding your venue and uh, of conducting yourself appropriately in uh, the public eye, uh, the pitfalls are still remaining that a lot of players will end up in conflict with one another. And a little bit of party strife is fine. But you also have to set the tone in creating an evil campaign where the players need each other.
1: Correct. Correct. Either they are answerable to higher powers that expect them to accomplish goals and would be upset if they completely eliminated the rest of the team. So really, you're, you're going to fulfill my needs alone.
0: It's Well, I just uh, killed everybody else because uh, I'll make fun of my sword. <laughs> What's your sword's name? Sooner or later? <laughs> oh, I attacked the king! <laughs> <laughs> Make pun of sciillator. All right, yeah, uh, you got various ways that you can put players together. I'm just gonna spell it out here. The early part of an evil campaign I ran, a lot of the people they faced were goofy. the you know uh, let's just say the archetype of lawful stupid. And that helped kind of break the tension. So they were fighting kind of these inept goons of good who were self-righteous, pretentious, and often hypocritical.
1: Yeah, just kind of a Keystone Cops level, like this is appropriate for first-levelers to be facing, you know, a bunch of city guards with clubs who just, you know, wail away, from, you look like a suspicious character. <laughs> I'm taking you
0: in on suspected suspiciousness. So giving them a clear-cut goal, usually other good uh, players or player character types that you wouldn't normally face off against like uh, good cavaliers, paladins, and clerics, you know, you know, some DMs say, like, oh, I really like the causes they espouse and the uh, the deities they represent, so I'm really leery about sending uh, characters to kill them. That was one of my big complaints on <laughs> in, in a few games, but uh, a little bit of uh, time has passed, and i found ways to make that a little bit more palatable, is that the fact that... If you really have a lawful good religion like you respect a lot and you, know, you play that up in your main campaign, here's a time to take and kind of redress it up in the form of a hypocrite or a person who may not necessarily be breaking all the tenets of their alignment and deities' uh, charters, but also they're really just uh, inept and uh, selfish and pretty much self-serving. Yeah, they're just way into the image of good. I mean,
1: theoretically, they walk the line, you know, they, they do the deeds, uh, but it doesn't seem like their heart is in it. You yeah. know, you never, uh, other than a grandiose public gesture uh, towards charity, you never see them, you know, just happening to wander down the street anonymously, cloaked, handing out silvers to, you know, beggars with no legs. Uh, no, they're, they're all about the showmanship and the attention so you can transform nominally good characters into adversaries that aren't that admirable. Ah.
0: Yeah, and that's the kind of the trick, is knowing your players. Now, also in that inept part, um, they did face a very powerful and uh, very sympathetic foe that normally most player characters would be playing a character uh, close to, a paladin that was very virtuous and dedicated and all the correct things. And that made their uh, fight with them very uh, kind of two-edged, because they were like, oh, I don't want to fight this person. They're very nice. And oh, <laughs> I just really sympathize. But, you know, I'm playing a diametrically opposed character with uh, clashing ideals and ethics, so this has got to happen.
1: Uh, and then there's the mercenary factor, which mm-hmm. uh, rather than, like, say, for instance, the lawful evil person with a cause right. or the chaotic evil person with no cause, no purpose, just, you know, uh, Heath Ledger, Joker, you know, I'm here to watch the world burn, you know. Neutral evil uh, affords a lot of opportunities. It's kind of the, the evilest evil, you know. Just, yeah. just evil enough to be capable of organizing when necessary, but never far out of sight of total self-interest. Uh, <laughs> lawful evil can have goals far above the self, loftier ideals, right. I things that they they hold dear as principles that bind them, that you know like, well, it restricts my actions. Uh, neutral evil has none of the above. Uh, even being too chaotic, if it doesn't serve their interests well, they're out. You know, it's, it's how does this impact me personally? How do I parlay this into the most opportunity for me. So that gets you a more mercenary sensibility that a player can, you know, use within reasonable justification uh, to take money for unsavory tasks, uh, and yet still work with other players.
0: So, you know, it's, it's a nice medium ground. Right, and that kind of provides also, like with a mercenary group, it provides a commonality of purpose, and Uh, need for reliance on one another. I mean, you need... Understanding
1: teamwork
0: that, you know, like, uh, we got to have the healer healing and the
1: tank tanking and,
0: you know, the DPS
1: mage blowing them up. Getting the team dynamic instead of being an absolute and unredeemable lone wolf uh, opens doors for evil campaigns to still prosper without the players devolving into mass player-on-player-combat.
0: Yeah, and also uh, an interesting factor in playing an evil campaign is you can tend to make pacts with the other evil creatures and uh, monsters that you normally wouldn't have any association with. Uh, like, for instance, uh, with demons and devils, you might have a very evil cleric be able to deal with them one-on-one or at least to reach some type of accord. And of course, they'll never treat them as true equals, but they will treat them as allies and potential servants. Yeah, they, they see them as long-term investments. <laughs> so that's an uh, unusual thing, but things like a Corps where, you know, no paladin or ranger would suffer one to live long because nope. they're rapacious and uh, just, they're constantly hungry and they kill just for the sport. Oh, yeah, that would be like savage cruelty. But, uh, but, you know, a evil ranger or other uh, character can try to make a... Uh, a compact, or reach an accord with it, or treasure, or loot, because they are greedy.
1: Oh yeah, and if you're strong enough to cow them, uh, they might actually relent and consider being a mountain. Which, you know... uh, (laughs) Man, riding your manticore into battle is nothing to scoff at. There are opportunities an evil campaign affords you as a player that you're not really going to get anywhere else.
0: Right, and that's what you're really looking for, is not just to be cruel or sadistic, or heartless. Uh, you're or... looking
1: to open the doors for opportunities, uh, deal making, schemes and plots, uh, moral conflicts that are different. Like, for instance,
0: accidentally winding up doing something good. Yeah. Oh, oh no. Oh man, I did something good. Oh well. Oh. How do I turn this around? Oh, I know. It'll increase my public image.
1: Yeah. What do you What do you mean that like, I accidentally caused that old couple to keep their farm? Oh! mm
0: Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, well, I can turn this around, you know. I didn't
1: know that lawful good banker was going to floor clothes on them this week. Now I've saved their life. Oh, the ignominy.
0: Yeah, but, you know, also making uh, their adversaries more evil and reprehensible than they are. Also, yes. Um, And
1: there is such a thing as evil versus evil, which I, I brushed up against that before, but it's a super important point. to to hammer home. In an evil campaign, the players may imagine themselves as being top-tier predators in a world of prey. Oh, far from it. Uh, When you begin any campaign, you're the low-levelers, and the world is a complicated place. Evil does not share well with others, Uh, and that having been said, some teamwork is necessary to accomplish goals, but There may be teams other than your own, with agendas that do not match your patrons' agendas. And you will be capable of pitting your players against competing evil. Mm -hmm. Uh, Whether it's a guild war, or a uh, border skirmish, or just a dispute between one powerful mage and another, and you are the pawns in that battle between, you know, greater powers. It can be anything. But, while they're also competing with evil, no one lawful or good, or, well, you know, any form of good, no one good is their ally. So, instead of, you know, the standard campaign issue where, you know, evil is our enemy, but all who are righteous stand beside us, you have no friends. You have no true allies. You have... Moments of convenience where people are willing to work with you to accomplish goals, but they're not trusted pals. They're not going to go out on a limb. They're not going to throw you a freebie like, oh, hey, you did a great job. Here, have some free healing potions on top of your bonus treasure. You get exactly what you bargained for if you have the strength to make sure the deal stays intact.
0: Deceit and blackmail are the tools of the trade of the evil campaign, and you should fully invest into that. Um, Also remembering that if you, your players get too far out of line, they walk a fine line of serving a greater evil power. As long as they're successful, no one really matters, but or care about what their misdeeds or missteps are. But if they fail once, their enemies will come out and take action against them, and also their potential patron or patrons. Oh yeah. They- will uh, then. Freely uh, disassociate with them, or even execute them. Disavowed. <laughs> disavowed? Oh no, not disavowed again. Oh, I hate when I'm
1: disavowed. Yeah, I know. It, it's uh, oh, what was the burn notice?
0: Yeah. There's a burn notice out on that party. Nobody'll touch him with a ten-foot pole. Yep. So failure is even <laughs> is less of an option than isn't a good campaign. Where like if you fail on a quest. Most of the time you can return like, well, we failed. We were outmatched. The,
1: the goody two-shoes you're Like, well, that's what goodness is. It's forgive me. We'll
0: forgive you. Not so in the evil campaign.
1: No, no, do not look for sympathy. Oh, wow. Looks like you guys really had a tough time in that dungeon. One of you petrified. Another one lost three levels. And uh, one of you came back here without a leg. Man, that's a tough break. I heard there's some beggar slots open in town, and hey, there's room for a statue over by the wall, so we'll park your
0: buddy over there. Uh, <laughs> and all the people you uh, betrayed and lied to will remember the slights against them and come forward. Yeah, which is, uh,
1: you know, a tough break. That that is another hard lesson for players running in you know running in an evil campaign. Uh, nobody forgets getting
0: hosed. <laughs> yeah, so while players can use blackmail and deceit and all sorts of treachery... Long memories abound. Yep, and you just can't kill everybody. No, Because that leads us to the last part. Is A lot of people think, well, I'm evil, I can just do anything I want. Well, okay, so there's less rain on you. But... <laughs> if you're so despicable, so hated, even in a powerful, tightly-knit group, you will eventually... Run out of allies and resources and places to sequester yourself.
1: Let's remember that the, uh, the American Wild West was not won because people wrote some laws. Uh, it was run because they dry-gulched everybody as they were coming into town. Like, That's blasphemous Bill! Somebody put a bullet or a rifle shot into his head from about a half a mile
0: out. <laughs> One of the most dangerous gunmen in the world. And he just walks you town. Okay, well I guess I go out in the hill and I drag all. The time. Well that's not very honorable. Yeah, but it gets the job done.
1: Yeah, it's not about honor. It's you know uh and a, a perfect example would be those kind of uh pale rider-esque moments mm-hmm. where you know you you corner the bad guy, the the robber baron, uh you know, and it's everybody everybody puts a round in him. We all did it. Uh, well, that can happen with good communities. Uh, when they're tired of a really nasty adventure. And sure, you might be able to slaughter the whole town, in theory, if you're high enough level. But odds are, if they got the drop on you and there's a very large number of people who are honked off and they got a few levels of leveled personnel of their own, uh, they're at the very least going to make sure you don't have a safe place to stay anymore. And when you run out of safe places to stay, wow, uh, D&D is a far more hostile universe. When you're all out of towns to go heal up in, and there's not a temple in town that'll take you in.
0: Yeah, but I hope you have your uh, your party cleric in good uh, standing with you and his deity. Yeah.
1: It, now, I, I do want to make a literary reference to a very specific book that I think exemplified the concept of the evil campaign. Villains by Necessity by Eve Forward. Classic book. Uh, very, you know, D&D-esque in its sensibilities. Uh, the world is ending in a tide of light as all the portals to the planes of darkness and negative energy and evil have been closed off one by one. And the forces of good do not see this as a problem. This was their stated goal all along. They were doing what they were supposed to do, defeating evil, Uh, ending those terrible dark gates that funnel in evil energy and fuel monsters and wickedness. Uh, Meanwhile, they're also brainwashing citizens who have been convicted of evil crimes, people who are robbing and killing and all of that. Uh, And slowly but surely, the tide has shifted until there is so little evil that the balance of the world is thrown off, and light is spreading at an exponential rate. Ultimately, it will create a world completely sublimated in light, and everything will be obliterated. Now, the only person who has really figured this out is an ancient druidess who fought in the original wars between good and evil. Uh, And the druids fought on the side of good first, and then later, when evil was in danger of being wiped out, turned camps and started fighting on the side of evil because it, too, was a part of the balance the druids protect. And so this druidess gathers about her a diverse company of persons who are irredeemably evil. The you know cannibalistic sorceress uh, whose under-earth race uh, has little patience with uh, the surface dwellers, the out-of-work, out-of-luck assassin uh, and his occasional job pal, a amoral rogue, and I believe there was a centaur that wanted to be a bard, and a black knight sworn to silence. And so this this company of miscreants and never do wells and evildoers wind up with the unenviable task of. A, being pursued by the forces of good while they try to reopen one of the dark portals and release evil back into the world, not only enriching their own lives, but saving their butts and their planet in the process. In that book, you can see the interplay as characters oppose one another uh, and frequently issue threats, uh, have considerable complaints about their lot over who is in charge at what moment and who has the upper hand right now and gets to tell people what to do. Uh, but they managed to get it done. And that book is like a literally a one volume education in here's what an evil campaign could be, where it is weirdly heroic uh, as the villains save the world from total destruction. But for purely selfish, egotistical reasons.
0: (laughs) And that's the thing, is that when you create an evil campaign, just like that book, you've got an idea of how to unite the players and give them specific goals so that they don't spend all their time just murdering everybody they come across, and give them a specific purpose to fulfill. And that's what players really want. It's not necessarily that they want to do all these cruel, terrible acts, it's that They want to have fun and experience something different. So the next time uh, you're thinking about a campaign, think about an evil one. And think about the terms that we talked about in here.
1: Yeah, set the parameters. uh, Create challenges that are unique to evil characters. uh,
0: Opportunities as well. Yeah,
1: opportunities for profit and and gain. uh, And good,
0: sound reasons for teamwork. And I think you'll enjoy it. But uh, if it's not your cup of tea, hey, that's fine, too. No, uh, no. Nobody, you know, and especially... Not saying you
1: got to. I'm just saying that it's it's one of those options that are out there that it, everybody
0: should have the experience at least once. Yeah, even if it's just playing a group of near do wells with ambiguous morals who work for just coin and are very, very neutral in the fact of what they will do. Oh, yeah. I mean... You know, we we
1: touched on the evil campaign as a core concept, but there's no reason the all neutral campaign can't fall into a similar category, where, mm-hmm. you know, hey, they're a little less ruthless, but they're certainly not bound by codes of honor that inhibit their every action.
0: Where not to uh dally about this title too much, but it is a shades of grey campaign.
1: Yeah, it is. There are infinite number of shades of grey where all the options are on the table, and you know, instead of being hamstrung by alignment, uh, you're actually hamstrung
0: by the world. Yep. Which is just as much as alignment. But, well, we've worn out your ears and probably your patience, so we're going to wind it up here. As always, if you have any questions, comments, concern, concerns, you can contact us on our Facebook group. The Dice are Screaming on Facebook as well as on Twitter, where I'm at Death Hand Gaming. That's D E T H A N D Gaming. And. Oh, Magi Box. Yeah, get all of us on Twitter. Let us know what you think, what you agree with, what you disagree with. And if nothing else, download the Anchor app and give us a call and just uh, let us know your peace of mind. We'll put you on the list. So, without further ado, may the dice, dice always, always roll in your, your favor.
1: favor. We're out. See ya.